Here we are, the 27th week of April. We're here for another episode of the 35th and Jackson podcast, worst podcast in sports. As always, it's Andy, Con, Brat, giving you the best we have in these uncertain and frustrating times. We've got a good show for you. We're going to continue with our position group breakdowns for the 2020 Oregon State football roster. We're going to round out the offense this week, looking at quarterbacks. Um, and then we're, we got a couple newsy items, some updates for you in there. And then, of course, we have our favorite segment extended um, for a quarantine filler, if you will. Uh, we're going to do an extra long The Floor is Yours, where you get, uh, we'll say, five minutes uh, to commentate on a topic of your choice. For Connor, maybe 15, which means I probably won't be here for the end of the show. But just know that's coming. Um, so we're going to we're gonna have some fun today, see what comes of it, roll the dice as usual. Before we get to that, always got to let you know that this week's show is brought to you by Corval Ass Fog. What's that smell? Is it a condemn- condemned dairy farm? Is it a sweaty gym sock? Perhaps a rotting whale carcass stuffed with moldy seaweed? It's the Corval Ass Fog. Made with 100% natural ingredients, this is certain to bring the angriest fog you ever inhale. Stroll the outer edge of campus and try it today. Corvallis Fog, knocking out nostrils since 1857. Beautiful. Love our sponsors. So let's get after it. Top of the show here, I'm going to do a little shooting from the hip and... uh, Go ahead and hand this over to Dr. Ethan Eugene Brott, um, a medical specialist uh, when it comes to infectious diseases and outbreaks. And he's going to give us our friendly COVID-19 update. Ethan? Absolutely nothing that Larkin said there other than my name is accurate. So uh, take this as an uneducated person that likes to look at numbers occasionally and works in healthcare. Uh, as the... The numbers here indicate Oregon is kind of plateauing on it. We have uh, just under 2,000 confirmed cases. The number of daily new confirmed cases has started to decrease. Um, Our deaths are down to, or uh, up to 75, but daily deaths are down overall. So as if you read the White House is what we're going to do if we're going to open up um, the economy or uh, services is we're going to have to be in a 14-day trend of less and less cases each each day. Um, Oregon is partway through that. Doesn't mean we're going to open up 14 days from the peak, but that's what we have to be meeting the criteria, unlike Florida and unlike Georgia, who decide to just open while they're still trending upwards. Um, overall in the U.S., uh, the big news would be New York. They're declining on their number of deaths each day, which is good. We want to see that continue to drop each, each way. That's the COVID update for... Uh, our listeners. Thank you, Ethan. And we still have no confirmed cases down here in Arizona. I haven't looked at the numbers to back that up, but that's just going off my beliefs. <laughs> um, so I think that's good. Sounds good. Um, so thank you for that. We always appreciate it. I know our listeners appreciate the expert medical opinion um, and uh, keeping us all informed. So next order of business Position group breakdown, the 2020 QBs for your Oregon State Beavers. So who are we looking at here? Well, it's a, it's an interesting list. Um, 
We'll just start with names. Obviously, you got Tristan Jebia kind of leading it off. He started the Civil War last year, kind of waiting in the wings after Luton. Been on campus a couple years, highly touted out of high school, went to Nebraska. So a lot of people think it's uh, his job to lose. Um, so that's that's definitely one to watch. Chance Nolan, the, uh, the junior college uh, addition, who is a dual threat dynamite QB. Excited to see what he brings to the table. Nick Moore, Aiden Willard, Jackson Christ, and then Ben Gulbrunson, the freshman. Um, really excited about this group. Um, I think it's an interesting dynamic, good mix of guys in there. Um, I'll, uh, I'll toss it to you guys for now and then kind of round it out with my observations at the end. But want to see what uh, Connor and Brat have to say about this group maybe as we've been doing a grade for them going into 2020 and what you're expecting yeah so first of all it'll be it's really going to be interesting to see the the type of QB I mean I think Niner was forced to kind of have Jake Luton in there which Jake Luton was played great um, and he was the best option at the time. But now that, you know, Niners third year in the program, you're going to really see his identity come across in the QBs a little bit more, who he recruits, all that kind of stuff. And you can kind of notice that he's he's going for that midsize <laughs> athletic, but not a scrambler guy. And I really like that because I think there's, yeah, we need a dual threat. You know, that's a, that's a lot. Um, there's a lot of talk out there of, and any school, oh, we really, we really need a dual threat guy. But I feel like it's almost been over, over exaggerated in a lot of schools around the country. I mean, there's only so many Jalen Hurts, so many Kyler Murrays out there um, that can really do both pass and throw, or pass. Yeah, they can. I'm sure they can pass and throw, pass and run. Um, and so I like that Niners kind of leaning a little bit more towards the pass because I think it's a forgotten thing in college football right now. Is you have to have a guy who can who can launch the ball, especially in the Beavs offense, because they're never going to be an option offense. It's just not going to happen. Um, and I think you're seeing less and less because guys, you know, guys come out and yeah, they're super athletic, but they, I mean, can't hit the broadside of a barn sometimes. Uh, have a really low completion percentage. There's a lot of things that go into that. So, where I mean, really, it's Jebby's job to lose. I think we all know that. I mean, my, my biggest thing for him is I love his leadership. I love his study of the game. I mean, you can just tell the fact that he came in Civil War, uh, literally zero playing time throughout the year, and just came in and was nails. I mean, to be honest, limited mistakes. Uh, You could see in the pocket his confidence even grow just in that game. Um, You could see him step up. I mean, Broughton, I noticed being, being on site, he was kind of a half step slow just from not playing in almost two years at that point in the beginning of the game where you tried to step up and maybe was shoe strung from behind or whatever. Um, but then actually in the third, fourth quarter, I think he had a few QB runs that it were just like, yeah, this is guy can step up in the pocket. He's got that pocket presence, really some tools that Jake Luton lacked. I obviously, I don't know if he has the pure arm strength that Luton had, but he had, he's accurate. He he's on those bootlegs. You're going to see a lot more moving the quarterback this year. Regardless of who it is, the pocket's going to be moving. It's going to there's going to be a lot of flexibility, and I think that's what Niner wants is you know, a really a guy who can who he can adapt the offense around, obviously, but who they can do some more things than 
just, you know, having to see your first read, having to maybe even get to your second read, but that can improvise a little bit. And I think that was my biggest thing. Again, Jake Luton, bless his heart. Uh, he was not a playmaker, though. He was just whatever the play was called, if it was the right call, which usually it was. Thank you, Brian Lindgren. Uh, he could complete the first the first check. But if ever the play broke down or he needed to improvise, it just was not there. And so I think we're going to see a little bit more improv. There's going to be some scramble. I mean, you, and we have the guys to do it at receiver. That's the other thing is there are guys that can get separation, speed, all that kind of stuff. Obviously, the wild card here is Chance Nolan. And I think Andy was a little concerned of, oh, if Jebbia starts, you know, we're not only going to have one year of Chance Nolan. I hate to break it to you, but Jebby is going to get hurt. I mean, that's just what it is. There's injuries in football. And I also think that it's because Nolan cannot redshirt again, um, they're going to build some sort of package around him because he's that dynamic um, with his athleticism. They're going to build a package – It'll kind of be as similar to what they did with Jack Coletto as far as here's a guy that has the skill. We need to utilize it. It obviously won't be the same package that Coletto has, um, but it'll be something, whether it's just an RPO package, maybe it's a switch up as uh, just kind of a wildcat thing um, where they, it, again, is more of an RPO versus just a straight run that they have with Coletto. Um and I'd like to mention Coletto is still a QB. He's a QB slash linebacker. So I bet your school doesn't he, have any have. And he now weighs two hundred and forty pounds. I cannot wait for the Coletto package. Yes. So they're they've already said they're going to use him, but it's just an intriguing group. I also really, I mean, Andy can maybe share some more light. He has some more insight on Goldbrinson, um, the freshman guy. But it's just you see Jonathan really building this QB room to be smart. I mean, all these guys are smart, even Nick Moore, you know, being Matt Moore's brother. And I, if, if real Beaver fans know the connection of Jackson, Chris, I wonder if they do. I don't know if they do. I'll just tell it. He's the son of Paul Christ. I might even be a nephew, but he's related to Paul Christ, who was the Beavers offensive coordinator. And, um, is the head coach at Wisconsin. So again, lots of options here, but I think you're really, I mean, I'm super excited about Jebby, just his athletic ability combined with his smarts. I mean, he knows the playbook. It's not going to be confusing. Brian Lindgren's already said that, that he's impressed and excited about Tristan. So there's just a lot of things there that I think, I mean, and people forget his top offers were Alabama, Nebraska, and I want to say Michigan, but I, but I know it was Alabama and Nebraska. So it, this guy's a stud. I think people say, oh, he's only 6'2", 199. Oh, he must be just some random guy. No, he was a top recruit. And I and this is the first time the Bees have had that for a while. So it, it, it just is an exciting time in the Beaver offense right now and can't wait for the season if it ever happens. Yeah, I think Khan hit all the good points there. Um, Jebbia being one, Nolan being two. And then after that, I think we'll see Ben come in at three, but uh, there are some wild cards in there with Nick or uh, Jackson, maybe even Aiden being the third spot. Uh, you'll see multiple QBs this year. As Con said, there's injuries are bound to happen. Packages are going to come in um, different skill sets. I'm really excited for Jebbia. He's just a gamer. You can see it in the civil war when he came out of the tunnel, he was, jacked uh for it i made that comment to con 
running all the way to the other end zone, just trying to get everyone excited. And this is before the news came out to the public that he was going to start. Um, and he's just a guy that likes to game. He wants to get in there. I think he gets in that mode uh, mindset there for it. Um, he's got a good set and he's really smart. I think that's one thing about our QB room in general. There's a lot of smart guys there. Uh, Moore's brother, obviously, is an NFL player. Jackson, uh, Chris, his uncle is the coach at Wisconsin. His brother was Kellen Chris at Stanford. Um, even Jebbia, I've heard Lindgren and Niner talk about just how he dives into the playbook. He's always studying it, always trying to get better. Um, I think it's just going to be such a smart QB room in there guys that are looking to expand their skill and their knowledge. Uh, they've got some great resources to learn from in Lindgren and Niner. And so I expect them to absorb it. They be smart, uh, play with what they're given. Um, none of these guys right now seem super risky risk takers, but they are a little bit more of a risk taker than uh, Luton would be. So um, they'll play within their realm. Uh, Con hit all the good things on the offense. I expect um, them to move the pocket a little bit more expect them to uh, run just a tad bit more, more not out of design always, but just out of necessity of what is there. They're going to take the two or three yards that they're given rather than uh, try to force a throw. So um, overall, I got to give these QBs. I mean, I'm feeling really good about the QB room in general because it's pretty, it's pretty deep. Um, Obviously not a lot of D one playing experience right now, but there's a lot of guys with skills. um, A lot of people to be excited about. So uh, I'll give it a. I'll give it also a B as well. This overall offense is a B for the Bs with a couple position groups that could easily be A's uh, right into the into the season. I would agree with that letter grade as well. Sorry, I forgot that. I forget that every week. One more thing, I kind of just had an epiphany on, is, you know, we've talked about and I've stressed, where's our screen game just in general? Running back screens, wide receiver screens. And I, and I just had this epiphany, literally just sitting down. I do remember a, a running back screen and a wide receiver screen that Luton tried to throw, and he freaking airmailed it. So it's like he couldn't – he wasn't as much the timing quarterback that probably is needed for those plays. And, again, it, it's and not just the timing but the accuracy. It's like you have to hit the receiver in stride in a certain place for them to – get that and so I think you're gonna again our screen game is gonna improve just instantly with a new quarterback and the accuracy factor and kind of that feeling the pocket because there's a lot of things that go into a screenplay from the quarterback's point of view waiting that time for you know offensive linemen to fake block for a half a second then jump out waiting for the running back to get out there and also trying to get it over a DN's head at, at sometimes lob it over I mean the best screenplay we had, rip the screenplay, but the best screenplay we had in the season was the was the, our last offensive play of the season, which is even more depressing just saying that out loud. Um, and you might remember Civil War Jamar Jefferson. He had a convoy, and he decides to go outside and try and hurdle, and then he fumbles. Okay. Anyways, done with that. There you go. Well, thank you for that, Connor. I appreciate your uh, analysis there. Yeah, well – it's going to look a lot different with this group um, going off just what you guys said, what we had Jake Luton, you know, the last two and a half years ish. And um, it's just going to be a different look, different style of QBs, not all necessarily with the exception of Nolan, not all, um, you know, running QBs or dual threat, but all 
pretty mobile, can move well in the pocket, and you're going to see them moving that pocket around and throwing off from different spots rather than just standing up straight upright and firing it downfield. Um, so I think that's that's going to be something to watch and keep an eye on, um, just how things look different, how they you know cater the playbook to that style of quarterback. Um, and then the other thing is just in that same vein, yeah, you guys are saying like there really is a certain type of quarterback that they're going for right now. He came from, you know, just that kind of prototypical, even bigger than that, but like the six, 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 seven, Jake Luton, not very mobile and all that. And now you got all these guys are like right around the same size. They're all between most of them are six foot two. Then I think Nick Moore's six feet tall. And then, uh, Gulbrunson is six foot three and the tallest guy in the room, which is pretty crazy. Six foot three is the tallest guy, but that's just kind of modern football for you um, with what they're trying to do. And, and you see all the success. I mean, that, that's plenty tall enough. You see guys like, you know, Kyler Murray, Baker Mayfield, um, going back to what Russell Wilson was. I mean, you don't have to even be six foot anymore to necessarily be successful. So these guys are all plenty big, but it's just interesting to see a different style of QB brought in and um, you know I think Niner doesn't want them to be too big you know he was a small QB himself so that's what he likes that's who he's going to groom um, but looking at the roster itself I, yeah again beat a dead horse but I'm excited about Jebbia just his leadership and the intangibles but also I mean he is a good QB from what I've seen in the limited time we've had to view him I mean he puts the ball in the right spot he he doesn't make you know silly mistakes for the most part and he can move around a little bit he's just a good good leadership good uh kind of general out there but can definitely uh move an offense down the field and I'm excited to see what this year has in store for him but I think you know and it would have been interesting to see had spring practice finish up I think you would have seen Chance Nolan potentially breathing right down his neck um I put on his highlight tape again this morning just to go back and, and look. And again, you know, he's at a JC, so not playing in the Pac-12 going against Power 5 defenses. But, wow, that guy is a spark plug. Um, you know, 1,000 yards rushing and 3,300 passing. I mean, obviously that just jumps out to you right away. Um, but turning on the on the film, like, his, his runs were ridiculous. And he's going to have to learn how to slide – once he gets in the Pac-12, because he doesn't do a lot of sliding, but for his size and stature, he doesn't look that physically imposing. But if you're going to arm tackle the guy, these JCDBs were getting abused by him. He was running through arm tackles, and then he just has a burst of speed. Um, so that just has me excited because we haven't had that in a while, just that athleticism in our QBs at Oregon State. Um, I guess – you know, Mar Marcus McMarion showed uh, glimpses of that and did some cool things, but uh, Gary Anderson didn't think he was good enough to play here, um, even though all he did was win with the opportunities he was given. So that was cool. Thanks, Gary, again for that. Um, and then, like, going back to Seth Collins, but that's what Connor was saying. The guy was super athletic, could do anything, but he couldn't hit the broadside of a barn throwing the ball. You never knew where the ball was going to go. Um, so this is a nice compliment because he does throw the ball well. He's got a strong arm and he was putting it on the money. He dropped some dimes uh, in that video as well that you're just like, Whew, okay, this translates. It's going to be good. So I'm excited for him coming in as a redshirt sophomore. 
And then the other guys, like, they're solid. You know, if it got to it or there was injuries that happened, like, I'm okay with any of these guys that they're going to be put in a position to be successful within this offense. Um, I'm excited for Ben Gulbrunson. Good point. Yeah, exactly. I just think that they're all comfortable in this offense, and and Coach Smith and Lindgren are going to put them in a position to succeed, and the offense might look different from one guy to another, but – they're all capable of running it, and I, I don't think we'd be in dire straits if you saw a couple injuries take place. You could still function um, just with the, the scheme that they have. So that's – You're saying it won't be Nick Mitchell level. No, that Jones. was the worst. Okay. Those were the worst games I've ever watched <laughs> in my life. That was terrible. When Nick Mitchell took off to scramble against UW – made about five yards, got drilled, coughed the ball up right into the defender's stomach. That was the lowest point for me as a Beaver fan. So anyways, um, yeah, you won't be seeing that. And then just to round it out, yeah, I'm excited about Ben Gulbertson, as Connor mentioned, a uh, freshman coming in, but, you know, highly regarded. Uh, seems like he was just a, a stud in high school, which everyone at the D1 level is, but just his, not just in his physical attributes, but again, with that leadership component and um, was a kid that, you know, had chances to go transfer and play at more big time programs to maybe prop himself up or chase the championship. But he stayed with his school and the kids that he grew up playing with, which was pretty cool to see, even though they weren't by no means a powerhouse and he got him into the playoffs and made a run and just, they were going up and, and going toe to toe with teams that they probably didn't belong on the same field as, but he just kept him in it um, and, and worked his butt off to uh, perfect his craft. And so I'm excited about him to see what he does. Not, not that he's going to necessarily maybe be in the fold this year, but yeah, I, I think at some point, I mean, this is without actually seeing him, you know, take snaps at this level. But I, I think at some point you'll be looking for Ben Colbertson to be a starter for this program, whether it's two, three years down the road. Uh, obviously, the staff is really high on him. And in year, their second slash third recruiting cycle going after him, it's obviously a guy they really like. So um, I'm excited to see what he brings to the table. Andy, please share what you said in the text, too, today. That was yummy, and I totally agree. Oh, okay. Ring out the confidential text. I guess we'll dive into it. It's kind of a slippery slope. It's dangerous to go here. But, um, I just was saying that I'm excited for the next kind of three to four years with these quarterbacks and this system and these coaches. Um I'm pretty pretty pumped because I think it's going to be a thing of beauty. So, essentially, in my mind, I think we're going to go from – you know, Jebbia to some point to Nolan, maybe if it's only a year, we'll see to Goldbrunson, those, those three, but who knows other guys come in the mix. It really doesn't matter, but I'm just excited for the next three to four years and what that's going to look like as the Oregon state football program, having these guys just play out of their minds, um, being comfortable in a really good system with good coaching. And then at that point, they'll have their pipeline built up so much that people will be desperate to get coached up by this group and Niner, the guru. Mm. And we'll have, I predict that we'll have mm. four stars walking on just to have a chance to be groomed by the legend. Mm. So that's my prediction for the mm. future. Um, I, I it sounds like Peyton. Yes, tagged. exactly. It does. It does sound like that. So um, let it be known. And I just finish it up by saying we'll have superior QB play to Oregon for the next 10 years. As long as Smith, is there and lingering as well. 
it's going to be an absolute thing of beauty now that they're in year three. I don't care who they have through, you know, put, put broad at quarterback and that that's going to be a well-oiled machine. <laughs> so uh, we'll just, we'll just to wrap it up. I'm excited for this group again. We've yeah. The offense is pretty much, we've said B on our grades pretty much across the board. And that's because there's a lot of guys who are young and up and coming that we just haven't seen enough of to be like, yeah, that's an A. But yeah. honestly, a lot of the potential is to be a B plus, A minus, and the QBs are no different. I, I could see them exceeding expectations and and uh, making this an absolute strength and becoming an A. But for right now, we will say a B across the board for this group. But very excited for them. And well, Jack Coletto in the fold, the Jack Hammer package, as I alluded to earlier, he is now 240 <laughs> pounds, 238, I think, officially listed on the roster. I expect by by the beginning of the season, depending on where this all goes with COVID, when they line up, it, it at, no, at Oklahoma State, I expect him to be 250. <laughs> and starting starting at middle I, linebacker I, and still running the jackhammer package. Well, and he'll and he'll be the, the shield on the kickoff. That's my favorite. So, That's my favorite. Um, the one thing I'd like to add is, you know, I totally agree with the B grades on this. The, the for the Beavers to get to an elite level, it's never going to be an offensive problem. Period. It will never. I mean, you've seen the fact that Niners done what he's done with Jake Lee, my quarterback. I, I people do not realize that enough. It's never going to be an offensive problem for them to get to the next level, win the Pac-12 championship, do a lot of these things that we want them to see. It's going to be up to the defense to take that next step, but not just take that next step, but make some plays, force some turnovers, make it so the offense doesn't have to score every single time they get the ball, which we've seen improvement and we know we see improvement, but I just like to make that clear. I will never question Jonathan Smith and Brian, as long as Lindgren is there, I will never question their offense because I've seen some crazy, not just improvements, but excellent game planning, excellent play calling, and again, making Jake Luton be picked in a mock draft by the Patriots. Okay, That is all you need to know, is that they made Jake Luton be picked in a mock draft by the Patriots. Yes, and they, as we've talked about many times on here, the details with those guys are unbelievable, which is details have been like the downfall of Oregon State football for so many years even when they were good it was like how in the world did was this oversight happening or how did you not see the play clock how did you take a time out there what are you doing they are on the details which i love they always have a plan and yeah some at, at points they've been questioned like going forward on fourth downs or certain things like that but detail oriented they are just they always got it dialed in they know what they're doing give them any defensive look and they'll, they'll be able to attack it. So I agree with you, Connor, that's exciting. And defense. Yes. That's a nice, that's some good foreshadowing for where we go from here. Cause we'll start diving into the defensive side of the ball starting next week. Um, but I will just say, yes, I am so excited. Like the offense, I'm excited just to build upon what I, what we've seen the progression of each year, this defense, this is going to be the most, the most drastic jump improvement that we've seen in a long time for one side of the ball in just in a season. Um, they made strides last year, but I am thrilled just at the possibility of what this defense can be going from a complete liability mm. to like, you're going to be jumping off your couch 
to watch these guys destroy people. Andy, liability is a nice <laughs> yeah. way to say it. Liability but they're is just, a nice they're way to so say it. Deep. They're the so worst, deep, and they're young. The worst defense yes. in FBS, not just Power 5, the worst defense in FBS, period. It's not even a debate. The stats Absolutely. show it, period. So let's not say liability <laughs> anymore. You're exactly, and nice. that's why it's going to be such a big jump from what they were two years ago, like – I really think this defense can be a nice compliment. I'm not going to say they're going to be the best defense in the Pac-12, but I I think they can be a top five, yeah, top, top five half. defense in the yes. Pac-12 this year. Which, if you would have said that a year ago, people would have laughed in your face. Um, so, yes, two years ago would have been actually more advantageous to not have a defense on the field and just have the offense be correct skeleton. Deal. Correct. That would correct. have been so, better. They've that. come a long ways. I'm really excited to see what that looks like. Um, so we'll get it. We'll start getting into the the defensive side of the ball next week. So stay tuned for that. But for now, we're just going to wrap it up with our uh, extended edition of our quarantine filler. And we're going to do the floor is yours segment where we each get a little bit of time to introduce a topic and commentate on it. Um, you know, we won't, we won't go too long, maybe, maybe a couple minutes and then time for a, comments from the others roundtable discussion so who would like to lead us off this week oh okay I Andy, will. You will. <laughs> so with it i just want to say hallelujah we finally have a live sporting event it's not really sports per se but the nfl will once again be king starting this thursday there is going to be the NFL draft, something to track, something to pay attention to. Hopefully the Seahawks can address a need. Their last several drafts, uh, other than a few players, have been pretty eh. um, So hopefully they can uh, bolster, continue to bolster their offensive line and really their defense as a whole. We'll see what happens there. But excited for that. That's taking place on Thursday. And in the spirit of the draft, um, I was going through – today looking at some some stuff trying to find some articles on ESPN and I ran across a a fun one in there uh, talking about just crazy picks from drafts past and it was about Sebastian Janikowski um the kicker from Florida State who actually finished his career with the Seahawks so I, I know him well he finished his career by blowing out his hamstring trying to kick a field goal in the playoffs <laughs> and uh, you don't want to shame anyone here but he did weigh probably 265 at that point and was 40 years old so that's a recipe for a blown hamstring but pretty sad way to go out but he had like a what 19 20 year NFL career anyway Sebastian Janikowski was picked 17th overall in the NFL draft as a kicker 17th. He had been playing football for four years is from Poland, likes to party hard, had a lot of run-ins with the law. Um, He's just your anti kicker in every way. Anti kicker kicker was like a cult hero for the Raiders. Like how, you know, when they sucked for all those years, Janikowski was their mainstay and half the stadium had his Jersey as uh, Sam Borden talks about in his article on ESPN. Uh, so it was just fascinating. It was funny to go back and, and relive the Janikowski stuff. So 17th overall pick. I don't think we'll ever see something like that again, a kicker. And the funny thing is it still gets debated. Like, was it a bad kick? Was it not? Like, he didn't really live up to the hype. He only went to one Pro Bowl. But he just had a freaking boot. He kicked a 63-yarder, um, which is insane. 
Um, but still people are like, well, he actually performed better than all. If you like, look at what he did for the Raiders and this and that, they, they broke it down. He basically had a better impact on his team than all, but like 10 other players taken in that first round in 2000. So it's just a weird story. It's something that cracks me up. And I just love that the guy's like six feet tall and 260 pounds and is your kicker. Um, so there you go. The sea bass story. 17th overall pick in 2000 something to uh, remember on the drafts of yesteryear well the great part about that article was they said he had no idea that raiders were going to take him he yeah. got a phone call while he was at the yeah. country he's at the golf course i never told him that they were taken so he's yeah. sitting there watching it live and then he screams and runs out of there only to come back and his first question is where's oakland yes Exactly. That was hilarious. There, he was out with his agent on the golf course, and they were going to have supposed to have a party like later that day. But he fully expected to go, you know, in the second round, probably best case scenario. And the Raiders take him at seventeen, and they're just like, "Uh, what?" Um, and also, I'm going to send you guys in the group text. This is not good for you listeners because you can't see it. But there was a picture in that article that was just to die for. It's of Janikowski screaming in celebration and he probably is at least 240 250 around this time at florida state doing a sarcastic gator chomp in the face of the university of florida players after he kicks a a game-winning field goal so that just was beautiful um and i really enjoyed that photo as well your your fat kicker doing the gator chomp in the face of your rival was pretty legit Good one, so, Andy. We did not prepare these together. No, I had no idea what Andy was going to talk about. But I also was going to talk about the NFL draft coming on Thursday. Well, it's all there they, is to talk about. <laughs> they they performed a remote test practice version of it yesterday, and it sounded like it was a giant cluster to go off at the beginning. The first draft pick was uh, was a glitch already with Cincinnati, is what they said. And yeah. then all 32 people were not muted. So we can, we've all been working at home. We've all probably been on far more Zoom, Teams, whatever, go-to meetings than we ever want to. And we know how bad people are when they're not on mute in the background. I mean, just imagine now it's a bunch of old NFL GMs that have no idea how to use technology. They're like little slave labor assistants scouting people next to them trying to teach them how to use it, all freaking out. Like, it's going to blow up somehow. I mean, the WNBA did it well somehow. They did a good draft. Everything went well. Highest viewership they've ever had. Probably has to do with, you know, nothing else is on TV right now. Um, but what's the NFL going to be like? My, my question to you guys is, which team's going to come out of this draft and say, oh, we, did, we screwed up because of technology? Like, who's going to blame the fact that it's virtual, that they drafted some absurd kicker at number 17 rather than who they wanted to draft? I, I mean, Probably like my first 24 teams. <laughs> I'm thinking the Browns would probably be it. Uh, yeah. The Browns, would no, the Browns, the Lions, the Raiders, they'll all blame. They'll all blame that. Some probably someday. Bruce, Ar- Bruce Arians with Tampa, I, he'll for sure have some complaints. He's old and sucks and thinks he's the greatest thing ever. So he always likes to make excuses. I could definitely see Bruce Arians uh, making an excuse about this. What I didn't brought real quick, what I didn't, I wanted to mention this and I'm glad, I'm so glad you brought it up with the glitch and the technology and all the fears. It's funny to me. I get that the, the personnel for these different teams, you know, they can't all be in the same room. You usually have your war room set up, but 
it's just funny that people are acting like this is so wild um, and so so difficult to navigate. It's like, okay, let's look at a normal draft every other year. Okay, you still your your team personnel guys are not live at the NFL draft where it's taking place. They're in their war room at the team facility. So it's like I, I get that, like with the you know the video conferencing and that, but it's like pick up the phone, you know do a conference call, whatever you want your video chat. If the video chat fails, do a freaking conference call. Like you do all the time anyway, and tell the right person who you would like to take with that pick. Like how hard is like, what is with the glitching? Like you still do that for every draft. It's not like you're sitting there in the audience. Like, Oh, Mr. Commissioner, we'd like to take DK Metcalf with this pick. Thank you. And here's my note card that I wrote his name down on. It's like, why is it such an issue is the, the thing, especially when they've had time to prepare for it. I, I just, it's, it's kind of baffling to me. And another GM was complaining that his kids were on the iPad and it was sucking up the Wi-Fi during the test. So I'm excited for more stories like that. <laughs> I just, it's, well, one, there is, Brock, there's not just 32 people on the call. This is part of their problem is they have, none of the people are in the same place. So each team is basically has 10, 12 representatives on the Microsoft teams thing because they have all their scouts and that's where all the non muting was coming from. Cause you have these scouts that are, you know, 90 years old that uh, like, or even John Gruden doesn't even know how to use technology, watches movies and fast forward, look it up um, that are on there and they don't know what they're doing. So it's just so many people. And they basically said they couldn't get the bandwidth to make it smooth. And I'm like, why don't you not use Microsoft teams? There's other things out there, but welcome to what the rest of America is. Doing, and they have you know? more yes, resources. I know you're yeah. not peasants like the rest <laughs> of us. Yeah. I know you're not peasants like the rest of us. So this is a little below. You <laughs> That's guys, exactly what I'm yeah. All it's, of America is doing this fun. right now. Come on. Like we, for six weeks, we've been working from home in quarantine. It's, and you're the, largest richest organization pretty much in in america and you can't figure out how to do your draft live you can't have it figured <laughs> out. and they have to run an action and meanwhile the WNBA, i know there's less people involved with it runs it smoothly and has no problem i think the nfl will do it no problem i think it'll all go well draft will occur but i look forward to all the stories afterwards and all the blaming on the fact that this would have been so much different if they were together oh, yeah. and they wouldn't they wouldn't have drafted who knows what yeah, you know, every Jake, every gm Jake. that that got fired through like three years two to three years from now every gm that got fired well we were gonna take so and so who name you know your three-time all pro <laughs> at any position yeah well we were all set to take them but there, there was a glitch my guys didn't hear me right they didn't get her in yeah it's just <laughs> that cost me my job that's the future <laughs> all right con what do you got No, I got a few. You get things. one. Settle one. in. No, it says five minutes. I get a few. Bill O'Brien, the biggest yes, fraud. Yes, 100%. In the NFL. True. Okay, period. He's always been a fraud coach. I don't know how he even has a job. I, I, don't, I don't know how he got the Penn State job. Well, no, I do, actually. <laughs> That's unsaid because um, they were desperate. Okay. But then he's with the he's with the Texans, and an article came out that DeAndre Hopkins said he has zero relationship with him. Well, what a surprise! Bill O'Brien is a fraud. He su- he can't even win with Deshaun Watson and DeAndre Hopkins. He can't 
get a relevant offense he, together, which is embarrassing. He's an embarrassment to the NFL and should not. He gets even rid be, of his. It's, best, it's embarrassing. He tries to take it's, his best player every year and get rid of it. He's gotten rid of Dwayne Brown on the Seahawks, Jadavian Clowney on the Seahawks. Yes, it's just such. <laughs> it's nothing. such a joke. I don't know how he has a job. Like he is the worst. I've never seen a worse coach in any sport than him, in my opinion. Just every every game I watch, I'm like, what the <laughs> hell are you doing? Um, so, anyways, he managed. It's, the, he, managed he sucks. The, and um, again, second it's... quarter on pretty well against the Chiefs in the playoffs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean that to boot. It's just it, it's it's a little Gary Anderson. I mean, really, and it's a little Gary Anderson. Is don't I hired the wrong effing guys? I could hear him saying something like that, you know, and he acts like a tough guy and all that. Secondly, it'll be interesting to see the reactions of uh, where Jordan Love gets picked. Speaking of Gary Anderson, who is a quarterback ruiner, you know, Niners, the quarterback guru, Gary Anderson's the quarterback ruiner. And Jordan Love seems like he could have some potential, but he played for Gary Anderson. So who the hell knows? Okay, probably he's probably amazing. He'll probably be a Hall of Famer, to be honest. But couldn't could he only could go six and six in college. Um, Thirdly. Uh, this is a normal I, – I don't get why everybody's really freaking out about the lack of sports on – this is normal for this time oh, of the year. Oh, Baseball get out of here. Oh, my God. Okay? Get out. It's the most boring Shut thing. Up. It's the most boring thing. So for for my life, my life has – Oh, you don't like listening to Beaver Baseball games? So, yeah, watching I'm, Beaver Baseball sure. I, I'm saying the NBA Well, we don't have college baseball irrelevant. Okay. How about the NBA playoffs? Yes, call, but, but right now it's like oh. – the NBA playoffs? Well, you care about yes, the Blazers? Yes, the NBA, obviously. But the NBA would be nice. But I'm just saying, and, and it's this weird time, right, going into the summer where people are so, oh, we might not have any sports going on, you know. Yeah, well, it's the MLB. It's oh the normal, normalcy right now. Wow. Anyways, you guys can debate that, whatever. But my final <laughs> thing is, really, Andy and I have been taking a deep dive into the real sports <laughs> that should be going on right now. NCAA football 2021 <laughs> should be coming out. And actually, and, and this is no coincidence, it would come out on July 12th every year. You know, what's July 12th? It's, it's <laughs> Peyton Taggy's birthday, okay? Come out every year, it'd be Christmas. And, you know, so Andy and I are wetting our beaks with NCA 14. We're so deep. Uh, it, it's just fun to create these makeshift scenarios. I think an update that I'm going to be providing every week on the pod is kind of oh, where my team's at. <laughs> so right now I'm with Baylor, uh, 6-0, and one-star program, the year 2022. They've obviously gone down because of the, you know, little Art Bryles thing that happened. So, you know, Niner is my coach. Niner has come in to save the day. He gave Scott Barnes the finger. Because, you know, again, year 20, I think we're actually in 2021. So <laughs> no, I hope this year. isn't true. N- I re- Niner, re- Niner, Niner refused to come back to Oregon State because Scott Barnes gave Wayne Tinkle a contract extension. So he, he, I just, he just said, F it. So after he had built this dynasty, he just leaves, goes to Baylor. We're having a little bit of problem right now because our first string QB cannot stay healthy. He's taken way too many hits. So we've had to put on our second string. We've adjusted some settings for the game to be a lot harder, but we still win every game. I don't know why. Uh, it, the game's too easy. I've become an expert. Yes, I was number 13 at, at one time in the world in online playing. I, my final record was 75 and wow. 7, I believe. 
the teams who would beat me would be USC. This guy played with USC a bunch, and he just ran the shit out of the ball. And I probably had the ball for like two minutes. Um, and I think my most embarrassing moment, though, and what I'm really disappointed in, and I'm never going to be able to get past this, is that I wow. let this little wow. piece of shit God beat me. And, and this is a family when program. we played on the MU on in the MU steps, when we played on the MU steps in college NCAA football tournament, I let this guy beat me by running one play. It was halfback corner out of the trips uh, trips formation shotgun, and I let him beat me by running that play every single time. And I went off from my principles of read option, discipline, defense, deep curls, slants. I went way off my principles because I tried to be cute, and I wow. will forever regret that. So there's my wow. three minutes. You still hang Goodbye. on to that. Mario's a fraud. Bill O'Brien, I, I'm a, you know, Bill O'Brien and Mario mm. kind of look alike. Um, they have a little bit of that pudgy face going on a little bit. Um, and just annoying and, you know, look, look like they have these looks on the sidelines where they're just like, what the hell's football? You know, they don't get it. Um, they're just like the, you know, they just want to go work out with Aaron felt or whatever. And they probably <laughs> both type in all caps all the time. So anyways, love that the draft is upcoming. Be interesting. Can't wait for Jake Luton to get picked by the Patriots. And then everybody's going to think he's good. And then he's going to flake out. But the fact that he'll get picked. Thank you, Perfect. Niners. Well, there, there are a lot of sports we are missing. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, Masters few weeks ago. Yeah, we lost. We lost the Masters. No. We lost NBA no. playoffs, uh, college baseball, Major League Baseball, hockey playoffs. I mean, like this is a busy time of year. I don't know what you're talking about. I just, I just, as far as people, baseball. Yeah, whatever. Baseball irrelevant. Okay. Wow. Wow. Seriously irrelevant. So, anyways. Man. Okay. No, this is a really. slow time of the year anyway. Summer, so maybe. We'll see. You know, like mid middle yes, of June. Really, sure, I'll is. give you one. Yes, uh, really it is. College World Series and the playoffs are over. And I will say, I would like to <laughs> wish you a happy summer. <laughs> all right, well, that's all the time we've got today. Hope you enjoyed it or didn't. don't really care. Uh, but that's going to that's gonna do it for us. Just want to say one more time that this week's show was brought to you by Corval Asphalt. What's that smell? Is it a condemned dairy farm? Is it a sweaty gym pump? Perhaps a rotting whale carcass stuffed with moldy seaweed. It's the Corval Asphalt. Made with 100% natural ingredients, this is certain to be the angriest fog you ever inhale. Stroll the outer edge of campus and try it today. Corval Asphalt. Knocking out nostrils since 1850. Thank you, everybody. Have a great week. Stay safe. We'll see you soon. Mario's a front.